Let us come before God this morning in prayer. Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, heavenly dove. Open our ears to the truth of your word, that the testimony of Christ may be strengthened among us and the glad news of deliverance revealed. Amen. Good morning. Our first scripture reading comes from the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 55, reading verses 6 to 11. Let us hear the word of God. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord that he may have mercy on them and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Our next reading comes from the Old Testament, Psalm 40, reading verses 1 to 11, and it will be read responsively. The responses will be before you on the screens. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the desolate pit, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Happy are those who make the Lord their trust, who do not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after false gods. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. Were I to proclaim and tell of them, they would be more than can be counted. Sacrifice and offering you do not desire, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Here I am. In the scroll of the book, it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. See, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your saving help within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. Do not, O Lord, withhold your mercy from me. Let your steadfast love and your faithfulness keep me safe forever. Our third reading comes from the New Testament, from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 
reading verses 1 to 9. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and our brother Sotsnes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched in him, in speech and knowledge of every kind, just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end, so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into partnership of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And this morning's gospel lesson, taken from John chapter 1, verses 29 to 51. Let us listen for God's word to his people. The next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look! Here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which translated is anointed. And he brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which means, which is translated Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, the son of, jo of Joseph from Nazareth. 
Nathanael said to him, I got to find my place again. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said to him, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, where did you get to know me? And Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered, do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Come and see. This morning we continue to examine these opening verses from John's gospel and that slow but steady revelation that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Last week the gospel writer reminded his readers of the expectation of the children of God that God would send this anointed one to restore the land and usher in God's reign of justice and peace. He noted how the latter the later prophets of the Old Testament imagined not just the Messiah to come, but also a messenger, one who would come before the anointed and proclaim the good news of the Messiah's coming. John the Baptist was that man. And here this morning, we move from the theoretical to the practical. This morning's text begins with John the Baptist and two of his disciples standing on the street. And when Jesus walks by, in that moment, there's this re very real and concrete fulfillment of John's role as the guy who points to Jesus. Because as Jesus walks by, John goes, there he is. That's the modern translation of behold. There he is. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And the disciples of John leave their teacher behind and they begin to follow Jesus. Again, in a really literal sense, in a, in a stocky sort of way. The, the, these disciples seem to be at a loss as to what to do or why exactly they're following Jesus. They just know that they have to do that. They are impelled out into following Jesus, having heard John's proclamation. And they just kind of follow along. They walk behind Jesus until eventually Jesus turns around and says to them, What are you looking for? Hi, Michelle. Michelle must be one of the disciples this morning. <laughs> I need another. I got two back here. Oh, there we go. The disciples are uncertain about how to respond until they ask Jesus, Rabbi, where are you staying? And Jesus invites them, come and see. 
before I get any further in this, this sermon, there's about six sermons in this morning's text. It was a really, really tough week, too, for me. Because I bounced between all of them. Even as late as yesterday afternoon, I was sitting there going, oh, maybe I should preach that instead. But you're getting this one. Over the course of the next decade or so, we'll get to the other six. But you see, the gospel writer goes on to say that these disciples then stayed with Jesus for the rest of that day. And all through the following night. And then the gospel writer reports that Andrew went out and Andrew found Simon, his brother. And the next day, they go a little bit further. Jesus finds Peter, calls, or sorry, Jesus calls Philip to follow him. And Philip goes off and finds his friend, Nathaniel. Each of all of these first disciples end up declaring to those others that they have sought that they have found the Messiah. And each brings another to Jesus. Simon, it seems, well, Simon seems to be a rather eager follower, doesn't he? There's hardly two lines in the Bible about, about this call, between the, this sharing of the good news about the Jesus coming between Andrew and Simon. It just says, Andrew went out, he found Simon. He said to Simon, we have found the Messiah. And Simon went, and then he gets his new name. The Nathaniel story is just a little bit more difficult. Nathaniel, not so eager a follower of Jesus of Nazareth. Nathaniel asks, asks of Philip, can anything good really come out of Nazareth? Really? Nazareth? You know, it's like those people from Lancaster or Shelbyville or whatever the place is. There's always a rivalry in our world, right? There's always a place that is not the place you want to be from. Nazareth for Nathaniel seems to be that place. But like Jesus had said to Philip and to the disciples the day before, Philip simply says to Nathanael, come and see. And Nathanael gets up and he goes to see Jesus. And then he has his own encounter with Jesus. In which Jesus welcomes him and speaks to him of seeing him beneath the fig tree before Philip had called him. There's a little asterisk here that needs to be shared. A little side note that's important. This image of someone who sits under the fig tree is a significant image for the people of Jesus' day. The image of one sitting under their own fig tree is, a, is an image borrowed from the Hebrew scriptures of those who will experience the kingdom of God. And had been further developed in the intervening years from the time that it had been written in the books of the prophets to this day. To be a way of describing one who was, in, was earnestly searching for the kingdom of God. In many ways perhaps Nathaniel is John 
version of the wise man. But you see, twice in these verses this morning, twice in these verses this morning, there is that simple invitation. Did you notice that? Come and see. Once by Jesus to the first disciples, and then once by Philip to Nathaniel. These three simple words, come and see, speak of the invitational nature of the Christian faith. The purpose of the church of Jesus Christ is to invite others to join themselves with us, to come and to experience the love of God that is made known to us in Jesus Christ. Each of us has had our own experience of Christ. Each of us has had to say yes to the call of Jesus. And each of us has then been commissioned to extend that same invitation to others. Note how in these verses the invitation changes voice. It begins with Jesus' invitation to the disciples. And then it is heard on Philip's lips to Nathaniel. Unless we think that Andrew was not part of this invitational ministry. It's interesting to note that of the six times that Andrew is mentioned in the Gospel of John, each of the six times he is bringing someone new to Jesus. This is the evangelical mission of the church. To invite people to come and to see the one whom God has sent. The answer to our greatest longing to restore the creation to its original glory and all who live in it. We do not use that terminology often anymore. The evangelical mission of the church. Those words have been co-opted by one faction of the church. And yet, the word evangelical means nothing more than to be sharers of the good news. The Greek word upon which it is based, evangelion, pardon me, simply means good news. All around us in our world, people are looking for good news. For a fair and just sharing of the world's resources. For deep respect, deep and respectful relationships <clears throat> that accept everyone regardless of gender, race, creed, or status as equal in the sight of God and in our social constructs. For a caring for the future of our creation that will sustain life into the future for peace from conflict for that sense and feeling of well-being in our very souls we are all in some way nathaniel's longing for the inbreaking of god's kingdom as micah envision it envisions it 
in chapter 4 of the book of the prophet. The Lord shall judge between many peoples and shall arbitrate between strong nations far away. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore, but they shall all sit under their own vines and under their own fig trees, and no one shall be afraid, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Each of us longs for peace and security and sufficiency. That is what that text says. And that great need will be met in the kingdom of God. The other critical part of the evangelical mission of the church, as it is presented here in these call stories from John's gospel that we read this morning, is that we are called into community. The invitation is to come, and to come into the presence of others, of Jesus and of those who bear his name, to embody the peace and the love of God for, to, and with, each other it's like that old shampoo commercial and I probably have used this as a as a sermon example before but it's a good one so I use it again do you remember the uh, I can't remember what the shampoo was anymore probably they probably don't even make it but you know she told two friends and they told two friends and so on and so on and so on if you remember that that uh, that that advertisement on the television screen. It starts with, you know, the, the woman standing there. She's washing her hair. And, and then they get to the, she told two friends and they told two friends. And the, and it, the screen subdivides into little windows that double and double and double and double like some great Zoom meeting of people washing their hair. Um, you remember that, that advertisement, right? But that is our goal as the church, to be the people who share the good news with others. And of necessity then, it requires us to gather together as the body of Christ. Many people in Jesus' day encountered Jesus. There were many people who saw the miracles that Jesus performed. There were many who were awed and inspired by his teachings. Many who pursued him to ask him a question and get in for gain knowledge and wisdom from him. But not everyone followed. Not everyone became a disciple. Think of the story of the rich young man who comes to Jesus and says, Master, what must I do to, to inherit eternal life? And after this long this discussion about the, 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 the key tenets of the law, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbors as yourself, and the, guy, the, the rich young ruler says, Master, I've done all of these things from my youth. 
And Jesus says, then you've just got one more thing to do. Go, sell everything that you have, and give it away to the poor. And scripture records, the young man went away downcast because he owned many possessions. He had come to Jesus. He had asked Jesus the question. Perhaps it was indeed the answer that would have freed him from all of the burden of his life. Throw off all of the yoke and the, and the, and the shackles of wealth. And come and follow me. But scripture says he went away. Time and again, scripture tells us there are those who seek to turn and follow Jesus and commit their lives to living with him and being his disciples. But there are also those who, having encountered Jesus, turn and walk the other way. It is in the gathering, in the coming together, in the, in the acceptance of that invitation to come and see that we become the disciples of Jesus Christ and bear forth the good news of Jesus Christ into the world. The church is called to be disciples, to forsake everything for the sake of the one true gift of life that is received in Jesus Christ. As John begins his gospel. John presents to us. This reality. That. Jesus accepts. All of those who will come to him. And who seek to follow. The cost. Will be great. It will challenge us. And all of our preconceived notions. That we might have. <laughs> Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Really? But hear what the promise is. The promise is that you will see the kingdom of God in your very midst. That last little bit that Jesus says to Nathaniel. The promise that Nathaniel will see angels ascending and descending out of heaven and resting upon the Son of Man. Again, an echo of the Old Testament. Of that moment when Jacob is left alone and he builds an altar and he has his vision of of. The, the, this ladder that extends from earth to heaven with angels ascending and descending. The kingdom of God will be your inheritance. But first, first, Jesus says, come and see. Thanks be to God. Amen.